from the Bronx, everybody. All right. It's good to see you guys. I feel like uh, I'm half part of Brooklyn now. Been engaged in Brooklyn a lot here. Uh, this has been a good time. And uh, I didn't write this lesson specifically to talk about Brooklyn because I wrote this lesson for the Bronx, which I recorded and put it on a YouTube channel. So you're going to hear the same lesson because I'm sure what we're dealing with in the Bronx, you're dealing with in Brooklyn. So I just want to talk about things just from the heart. Uh, basically, I want to talk about the glory of the Lord. And I think that is something that we all need to see and strive to give. And, and, and I pray that tonight will be a great time. So I'd like to lead us in a quick prayer. And then after that, we're going to jump right into our lesson. Let's go to God. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. I know that with all the virus and things going on, Father, we're still able to meet even over uh, computers and telephones. And it's just a blessing to be able to have this technology to do this. And God, I know the, the virus is a serious thing. But yet, even in the midst of that, we're learning, we're growing in so many ways. I mean, our, our church is even at a whole new level of internet worship and just things that we probably would not even have thought of putting in place, we have put in place. And God, again, even in the darkest of days, glory can be given to you. Father, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to read in 1 Samuel chapter four. We're going to actually read the, the whole chapter here, 1 Samuel chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 1 through 22. And as we look at this, then we're going to talk about the glory of the Lord. And so I'll read it here. We'll start in verse 1. I'll give you a minute. I still see some people flipping over. That's fine. I'll wait a second. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 1. It says, now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer and the Philistines at Apex. The Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. When the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, why did the Lord bring defeat upon us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh, so that it may go with us and save us from the hands of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Lord's covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what is all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A God has come into the camp, they said. We're in trouble. Nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the desert. Be strong, Philistines. Be men or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought and the Israelites were defeated and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The Ark of God was captured and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas died. 
That same day, a Benjamite ran from the battle line and went to Shiloh, his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair by the side of the road, watching, because he, his heart feared for the ark of God. When the man entered the town and told what had happened, the whole town sent up a cry. Eli heard the outcry and asked, what is the meaning of this uproar? The man hurried over to Eli, who was 98 years old and whose eyes were set so that he could not see. He told Eli, I have just come from the battle line. I fled from it this very day. Eli asked, what happened, my son? The man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines and the army has suffered heavy losses. Also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas are dead and the ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died, but he was an old man and heavy and he led, he led Israel 40 years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and near time of delivery. When she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth, but was overcome by her labor pains. As she, as she was dying, the women attending her said, don't despair, you have given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay any attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel because of the capture of the ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Tremendous story. And the thing about this story is, you know, even ourselves today, we can become idolatrous and disobedient to God. Not that we even set out to do that, not that we intend on doing it, but we can slowly creep towards this area in our lives. We can slowly creep to the area where we try to take control. We try to insert. When we feel God's not working, we decide to start working. Now I know that we do things in our lives and in our worship that gives glory to God, but God gives glory back to us far more than we could ever give to him. You know, God is always intended for mankind to be in his presence and in his glory. Even back in the beginning, in the, uh, the Garden of Eden, God visited man in the coolness of the day. But because of sin, man fell short. Just like it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin has caused the glory to depart from man. And this is what we have to realize. God's glory is not going to dwell in a place that sin abides. If sin is continually there, now I know we all sin here and there, and we need to repent, but if sin is continually there, God's glory is not going to abide there. Now, when we take a look in history of, at what is going on here, the children of Israel went to battle against the Philistines. And during this encounter, the Philistines killed 4,000 Israelites. They came back to the camp and they said, how in the world did this happen? How could we be defeated? We're God's people. We're the children of God. I mean, they had encountered so many victories. They were so confident, so assured with who they were, that God was with them. There is no way we should have lost. At the same time, they didn't see how humanistic they, had, they were becoming. 
They didn't see how legalistic they were becoming. But they were so confident about this, all of a sudden somebody came up with an idea. You know what? We need to go get the Ark of the Lord. If we get the Ark of the Lord from Shiloh and bring it back here, the Ark will save us from our enemies. That's exactly what it said. The Ark will save us from our enemies. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a beautiful thing. It was made with the uh, uh, the strongest wood of that time, but they still covered it, plated it with gold. So it was made of wood, but still plated with gold. Now, the ark was full of God's glory. It was so full of God's glory that God said, man cannot even touch the ark. That's how glorious the ark was. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, I'll read this for you here, 2 Samuel 6, 6 and 7. It says, when it came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. So the Bible says that as they were traveling with the ark, the oxen stumbled, the ark, the, uh, the cart stumbled. And so Uzzah reached out to stop it from falling and he touched the ark and God struck him dead. Now I've read this and I thought, now why did God strike him dead? Surely he was trying to do something good. You know, his heart must have good intentions. I'm going to help make sure the ark doesn't fall. But to God, good intentions does not equal obedience. We can have the best intentions in the world, but God is more concerned with us obeying him instead of having good intentions for what's going to happen. Now, this ark is, is something here. Inside the ark were several things. Now, I'm going to show you this. And this is not the real ark. I don't want anybody freaking out. It's not the real ark. This is a gift that was given to me on my birthday, which is February 8th, in case anybody want to note that and give gifts, just so you know. Black History Month, February 8th. That's my birthday. But the ark, it had the cherubim. It had these, these angels over the top of it. But there were three things in the ark of the covenant. First, they had manna from when they traveled in the desert. They put manna in there as a reminder of what God has done. Then they had Aaron's staff. I know this isn't real. Just work with me. I'm proving a the point. They had Aaron's staff. Remember, the people were arguing that Aaron was not God's person. And so God said, okay, everybody, put your staff in there. Put your name on it. They came back the next day, and Aaron's staff was the only one that budded. Actually, flowers that bloomed from it. So you had the manna, you had the staff, and then you had the two tablets. The Ten Commandments were on. All these is what was inside the ark. Now, the sad story about that was that two of those items was lost when Solomon went to build the temple. The only thing left at that time was the two tablets with the commandments on it. But I say this because the people, they, the Israelites lost 4,000 people and they said, let's bring the ark, the ark is gonna save us. Now, here's the problem with that. First of all, God did not tell them to go get the ark and bring it back. So again, here's another act of disobedience. They decided to take it upon themselves. We lost the battle. God didn't win it for us. So now we got to step in. Now we need to go get the ark. Now we have to do this. 
And this was the beginning of the end for them when they decided they needed to take control. And many times we say Jesus is Lord. God is good. God is great. But yet we still feel like we got to do something instead of letting God be God. What they really needed to know was that their safety was not in the ark of the Lord, but in the Lord of the ark. And that was the key thing that they were not seeing. And this is, it shows how humanistic we can become. And honestly, we can become like that in the church today. Our safety can be in the house of the Lord instead of the Lord of the house. And this is so important for us to realize. See, the ark was a symbol of God's glory, a symbol of God's presence. But the problem was the Israelites were trying to put God in a box. They were trying to put God in the ark, in the box, as if the ark had the power, the ark had the deliverance, the ark was the safety. That's where their mindset was. The children of Israel thought success was in the box, but the power wasn't in the box. It was the Lord of the box. You say, well, that's crazy. They shouldn't have done that. But honestly, we can do the very same thing today. We often put our faith in the organization of church. Our faith can be in church. But you know what? The church is going to make mistakes. Our faith needs to be in God. Jesus never sinned. That needs to be where our faith is. We can put our faith in a preacher. But you know what? I promise you, every preacher is going to say something stupid. They're going to do something that's crazy. They're going to say something with deep conviction, and it's totally wrong. But Jesus only spoke the truth and was just. You know what? We can put our faith in the fellowship. We just love the fellowship. You know, sometimes people join a club or a gym because they just want the people, the fellowship. But you know what? If our faith is in the fellowship, I guarantee you, people are going to hurt you in some kind of way. Something's going to happen. We have to understand our faith must be in God alone. Now, I'm going to come back to that point in a little bit. But glory as a verb is used to describe what we give God. We give God glory. We give God praise. Even the prophet Jeremiah said, people put more faith and trust in the temple of the Lord instead of the Lord of the temple. Now more than ever, we need the glory of God in our lives. Now, that was my appetizer for this lesson tonight. Now let's get into the entree. You know, in today's time, people like to name their kids after their relatives. When my daughter was born, we named her Lily. My mother's name Lily. So we named my daughter Lily. Now my mother-in-law got very upset. Why did you name her that? Why didn't you name after me, Grace? I sure hope y'all have a girl, because if you have a boy and got to name him Grace, you're going to have problems. God blessed us. We had a girl, so we named her Grace. So we both named our kids after our parents. Didn't have to go through that. But here's the thing. When Phineas' wife learned that her father-in-law, Eli, died, she didn't name the son after him. When she found out her brother-in-law died, didn't name the son after him. Found out her husband died, didn't name the son after him. 
But when she found out that the Ark of the Covenant of God had been captured, it appears as if that was more painful to her than even her family dying. And she named her son Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. You know, sometimes we may feel like uh, Ichabod. Like, where is God in all this? What is going on? What is happening with me? Maybe we've been through that, going through it now, or if not, we will go through it in the future. But the matter of fact is this. We still need to give the praise to God every single day. We need to give the glory to God every single day. Just waking up again today, we should just be glorifying God and thanking God. As much death and illness that is going on in the world, we need to thank God every single day that we get up. We shouldn't wait to come to church to praise God. We need to be able to praise God no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. Our mindset needs to be, even though I'm going through hard times right now, I'm going to praise God. I got problems right now. That's all right. I'm going to praise God. Even if you're facing racism, socialism, and any other ism out there, we still need to give praise to God. It needs to go to God, our praise. Now, Israel worshiped the box instead of God. So here's my question for us tonight. What do you put your faith in? What do you put your faith in? You say, well, surely I put my faith in the Lord. Okay. Here's a question. Let's go here. A couple of scriptures real quick. Acts 17, verse 23. We're going to come back to that question. But Acts 17, verse 23. This is Paul as he's in a city of Athens. And he's walking around and he's looking and seeing what's going on in Athens. And this is what he said in Acts 17, verse 23. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. It says these people were worshiping so many things they just didn't even know what they were doing. They just started making up gods to worship. They started worshiping things that didn't even have a name because they were just looking for something to put their faith and security in. Look at Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9. Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9. It says here, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Now I say this because I want to go back to the question, what do you put your faith in? You say, well, I put it in God. That's why I'm here. Okay. Well, here's a little, a little test to help you see where your faith is. A better question to ask is what shakes your faith? What makes your faith weaker some of us put our faith in the church you say well should we i mean this is god's church well here's the fact if you putting your faith in the church instead of the god of the church the church if it doesn't respond the way you think it should to whatever you're going to have issues you're going to question is this the church is this right are they doing things right i don't understand this if our faith is in the church instead of the God of the church and the church doesn't do things the way we think, we're going to have issues. 
people put their faith in the preacher. You know what? Like I said, everybody makes mistakes. And if one preacher in, in Texas is saying something crazy, that should make us think, oh, the whole kingdom is in chaos. All of our preachers are saying the same thing they're saying in Texas. That is not true. Just because one person acts a certain way doesn't mean everybody is. But if we're putting our faith in the words that come out of a preacher, something's wrong. Our faith should not be there. Our faith should be in God, not in what the preacher's saying. Well, what about the fellowship? Some of us put our faith in the fellowship. But then you know what? After I'm baptized, all of a sudden they love me when I'm doing my Bible studies. Now I'm a baptized Christian. I don't see nobody. Nobody taking me to lunch anymore. Nobody calling me anymore, praying with me anymore. If our faith is in the fellowship, the fellowship is going to let you down. It's got to be in God. You say, no, wait a minute. Why are you saying that? Well, the church, the ministers, the fellowship, those are all things to help us on our journey. Those are good things. I'm not saying they're bad. I love ministers. But it's not the minister that died for you. It's Jesus that died for you. And we cannot get focused on what the church says, what a minister says, what somebody in fellowship said. I was about to hug you and you walked away and didn't say nothing to me. Now what's wrong with you? We cannot let Satan capture our thoughts like that. So the question is, what shakes your faith? Well, that's what you're probably putting your faith in. You know, we're going through a major epidemic right now. But even in the midst of all this, we still can give glory to God. See, the government can't foreclose your worship. The government can't repossess your praise. It can't happen. No matter what's going on, we can still give glory and praise to God. Look at Romans 8, verse 38. Look at what Paul says here, Romans 8, verse 38 and 39. Paul says here in verse Romans, Romans 8, verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, recession, depression, suppression, no man, no woman, no boo, no honey, nothing can separate us from God. And that's the attitude we got to have. And brothers and sisters, this is what we need to do. And we got to help each other with this. Because sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. We can cause other people to kind of plateau spiritually. Let me just share something with you here real quick. I was converted at University of Kansas. And uh, I became a Christian. And two days later, I started leading the Bible talk. Because we had so many visitors at our Bible talk, we didn't have enough room for them in the house. And so they just split us up and just said, you start leading the Bible talk. Had no idea what I was doing. I just read my quiet time with them. So that's how I started leading the Bible talk. Three months later, I went into the ministry full time. So I became a singles intern in Kansas City. We went on a canoe trip 
And as we were going on this canoe trip, everybody's in their canoes floating down. And there was uh, one sister, she has some challenges in her life. She tipped over and was floating down the river. And so she was just floating past people. Nobody was helping her out. So me and the other guy got in our canoe and went down there and we got her. And then we joined the canoe up. We was about 30 minutes late. So we get to where the buses were. And I look up and the bus is going down the road. Now I'm leading the singles. I got a sister and a brother with me and the bus is just taking off. And I'm like, there's no way they did not know I wasn't on this bus. So at this point, I'm ticked off. I take off running across the field, catch the bus before it gets to the, it was on a dirt road, before it gets to the pavement. I'm running up and then the bus stops and I'm banging on the door. They open the door and I walk up there and I said, what the F are y'all doing? And it was just like, what? And as I said it, I wanted to grab it out the air and kind of like pull it back. I'm six months old as a Christian. I'm just going off about things. And everything got silent on the bus. Well, of course, we had some D time about that later on, all that stuff. So 20 years later, I leave Kansas City. I mean, leave Tulsa, Oklahoma, leaving the church there and move to Kansas City. So now I'm back in Kansas City after 20 something years. And they're having, we used to have these pound parties when somebody move in, everybody bring you like mops and different things, kind of helping you out. And then they started sharing good news. And then one of the brothers stood up and said, I sure hope we don't make you mad because I remember when we was on that bus and what you said. And I'm sitting here like, now why would you bring that up now? And I thought, you know what? For the past 19 years, this guy has kept me in the same place in his mind. I hadn't grown at all. I was the same person in his mind. Now, I done got married. I have two kids, one with special needs. Life has changed me. But to this guy, life didn't change me. He had me at the same place, and that's where I was going to be in his mind. Sometimes we can be our brothers and sisters' worst enemy by not allowing them to grow, by not allowing life to help them mature and be something different. Sometimes we can say, oh, you know, they just prideful. They've been like that ever since they've been in the church. And we kind of label people a certain way instead of realizing, is that giving God glory? That's God's son or God's daughter. And the Bible says we can all be transformed into the likeness of Christ. We're all a new creation. I say this because each and every one of us has the power to be changed, to be what God wants us to be. And this is exactly what God wants. God wants us to be just like the ark is full of smoke with God's glory. He wants us to be full of smoke. Not smoke in a way you need to call the fire department, but a smoke in a way because the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 29, that God is a consuming fire. It says in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, his words is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. This is what God wants us to be. He wants us to be on fire. Jesus isn't coming back to get some lukewarm Christian. Jesus isn't coming back to get some lukewarm church. He's coming back to get a Christian that's on fire. He's coming back to get a church that's on fire. He's not coming back for this lukewarm stuff. He's saying, you and I, we need to be on fire for him. Now, I'm not talking about that old school jargon we used to say, fire it up, brother. No, we're not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about a real fire that's between you and God that nobody else around you is going to affect. 
what the preacher says, what the church said, the lack of fellowship doesn't change you because you're on fire for God. It's a one-on-one relationship between you and God that's taking you to another level. Israel's downfall was this. They put their faith in the ark instead of God. Brothers and sisters, we cannot put our faith in anything other than God. God will use people. God will use the church. God will use fellowship. Absolutely. There are miracles going on right now in our church, in our fellowship. But it's not the miracles we need to put our security in. It needs to be God that we're putting that security in. So you say, how do I do this? Well, let me make it real easy for you here. Hebrews 3 verse 1 tells us to keep our thoughts on Jesus. Hebrews 3 verse 1, keep our thoughts on Jesus. Well, how do I do that? Three simple things. Number one, we need to read and pray every day. This is what I tell my kids. You read and pray every day, you'll never fall away. That's just a fact. You read and pray every day, you never fall away. People that leave the Lord, stop reading their Bible somewhere along the line. They stop praying. Whether you're a member, whether you're a minister, whether you've been in a ministry, no matter what you are, if you stop reading and praying, then you are going to turn to Satan's side. Read and pray every day. You'll never fall away. Secondly, we got to let go of the past. I tell my kids, you need to get frozen. Let it go. Let it go. You got to let stuff go. You know, the fact is, forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it makes living for the future easier. That's as simple as it can get. When you forgive, you may not change your past. Things could be done to you that's wrong, but when you forgive, it makes your future a lot easier to live in. And then thirdly, we need to be faithful about the future. Sometimes when we talk about, hey, here's plans, we start to think, what's the possible worst solution, situation that could happen? If this is a plan, this is how it could be wrong. This is how it could be messed up. This is, a, we got to stop being, who is that, Eeyore on Winnie and the Pooh, that donkey that just think everything's miserable. We can't be like that if we're Christ-like. We have to be faithful about the future. I wanted to share these things with you. Because I, I want to make sure we're all focusing on the right thing. And the right thing to focus on is God. The Israelites showed us by their example when they started to do things, take it in their own hands, when they started to have control of things, that's why they lost the battle. We will lose the battle if our focus isn't about God. Not the Lord of the ark, but the, not the ark of the Lord, but the Lord of the ark is what we need to focus on. So hopefully this has helped you. Hopefully this has inspired you in some kind of way. Um, my lesson is over, but I still wanted to talk about